Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the Federal Reserve pausing rate hikes and the story on inflation, bond yields, mortgage rates, and more. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking with Christina Bennett, Senior Vice President of UWM Sales, about a career in the wholesale channel. Christina, becoming a broker can seem daunting. What advice do you have for those looking to join the channel? Honestly, Sarah, becoming an independent mortgage broker is very easy. There's a lot of resources out there to be able to help people whether looking to join an independent mortgage broker or become an independent mortgage broker. They can go to beamortgagebroker.com. We have step-by-step plans of how to become an independent mortgage broker. Or like I said, even if you're just looking to join an independent mortgage broker, it's very easy, it's very fast and efficient. And like we all know, it's best for consumers. Thanks, Christina. And listeners, you can go to beamortgagebroker.com to get more information. Logan, welcome to the podcast on this Fed Day. It is wonderful to be here. We have so much to talk about. We really do. Okay, let's jump in. First of all, we we know that the Fed paused its rate hike, so let's talk about that. But also, um, you know, what else they said? Uh, so it was a pause. The market really uh, anticipated this because early on, the market had actually priced in a Fed rate hike and the Federal Reserve had to bring some of their uh, members out toward the uh, uh, end of the week of the, the previous weeks and to just kind of say, hey, listen, we're, we're going to pause here. Uh, we, don't want, we don't want the market to hike and us thinking this is not the case. Uh, so that's it was a unanimous pause too. And I think for me, um, going back all the way to last year, when I started to think, okay, do they really want a soft landing? Because they're talking about three, six, 12-month core PCE inflation and the Fed funds rate should mirror that. But then toward the end of the year, things were changing. And I was like, what are they doing? And it really became evident that, and we've talked about this before, they kind of lied to everybody about that. They really had no intentions of having the Fed funds rate track uh, core PCE. Uh, which means they would have been done already. Uh, and today's uh, Fed meeting, you know, they talked about, you know, whether you believe them or not, uh, getting the Fed funds rate to 5.6%, which means, you know, 1% above, you know, kind of where trending core PCE is at and hiking, even though they knew the banking crisis was happening, hiking, even though they know credit was getting tighter, hiking when they know the commercial loans are out there, hiking, 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 knowing all this. And then it goes back to, what we talked about last October, why I don't believe the Fed is going to pivot every, anytime soon. Because when you have baby boomers, when you have baby boomers and they work for the Fed and they're talking 1970s inflation, that means you have to attack labor, you have to attack wages, you're going to need a job loss recession like you had in the 1970s and early 80s. So uh, if it seems confusing for a lot of people, I understand because you've never had a a Fed actually talking about attacking labor and wages. And sometimes they say, we don't really think wages create inflation. But right now, you know, the wage growth has the, the, the supply, the labor supply is too much. And it goes to their job openings premise. And of course, 
here at Housing Wire, we're the only people on planet Earth talking about hey, job openings are going to get to 10 million. The Federal Reserve really cares about that. That's like one of their one of their key data lines, even though there's a lot of people in the academic and economic world that does not like the job openings data. And it being at 10 million right now, it's funny. We're here. It's June 2023 and job openings is still at 10 million. Um, because of that, uh, they feel very confident that they can manage any kind of recession. Uh, you can't have a really big job loss recession with job openings this high. And so they're using that as their cover for now. Again, for me right now at this stage, I'm a jobless claims person, claims over jolts, rock, paper, scissors. But uh, it, it really gives a good mindset that that whole story they tried to feed the markets last year so the end wasn't true. And now it, now that we're in June and they're talking, well, maybe we need two more rate hikes and that's where the dots plots are. Uh, then why did we pause? The pause didn't make any sense if you want to do this. So they're kind of toward the end, but uh, it really shows that the Fed pivot people really thought the economy <clears throat> on the labor side was going to get worse and worse, and it didn't. And because of that, uh, uh, you know, like I talked about on CMC, they're attacking labor and wages. They want more labor supply, wage growth to go down. They feel more comfortable. Uh, and this is why they reference the 1970s. They don't want inflation to reaccelerate. Uh, and the fear of the 1970s is is that you know you you ease too early and then things take off, which I don't believe is the case. But it explains today, which finally vindicates the people who don't believe the Fed's going to pivot until the labor market breaks. So, what was the if they're not ready to pivot yet, then why are they pausing? What was the tipping point? For that them was pausing? a question that everyone was like, "Hmm, hmm, what are you doing now? Why not just hike?" And Powell's uh, talking points now is that we hiked very aggressively early on, so we could moderate later. Uh, and, and now at this stage with the lag, and this is how I would answer. If I was Jay Powell right now, this is how I would answer this. And this is the truth. Uh, everyone, leave me alone. I have a hard job. Second of all, uh, we rate, we busted rate hikes in the fastest fashion in history. And we know there's a lag impact. And we know that credit is getting tighter. And we know that the commercial loan in, uh, uh, loans are going to go bust. So we're just going to pause here and then wait for data to show maybe July. And then the other question was, what are you going to get between now and July? Uh, well, we got one jobs report and one claims data, right? They're going to get claims data every week. And you cannot have a recession in the United States of America without claims data breaking up. Now, the last last week, we got the claims data. That we, You're uh, talking about jobless podcast, claims. Jobless claims, yeah. You, when this podcast comes out, jobless claims will be out. Got a little bit of blurb last last week and it wasn't just because of one state or one city or boston celtic fans you know left to work for a week because they were mad that the celtics lost but it's it's because we're starting to see the labor market loosen up a little bit and they, they talked about that uh you know job openings have gone from 12 million to nine and a half million back to 10 million so it's not as tight as as it used to be and uh they just wanted to push it down so i i guarantee you if jobless claims keeps on rising Every week until the next Fed meeting, they're not hiking in July, right? Because if they're if they're students of economic history, you know when the labor market is breaking and the labor market breaks with jobless claims data. So for me, it's always the same premise from last year. 323,000 on the four-week moving average jobless claims. Not the headline print, but four-week. If you get there, considering where job openings is, 
And this would be historic because this means the Federal Reserve's job opening model was incorrect. So if that does occur this year and you start to see job losses with job openings above 7 million, they're going to have to revise everything on that model. This is why I say focus on claims over jolts. So they have enough things they need to see because, you know, um, we had another inflation report today, uh, uh, producer price index. The headline number is like almost back to pre-COVID. The core number is taking a little bit longer to get there, but it, it's everything is in a downtrend. Everything's in it, but the core aspect of inflation is, is as, as always, taking a little bit slower to get down, and the shelter aspect will kick in over the next twelve months. So you know we're we're we're, we're getting toward the end. If, the, if the, we already had the end, it would make sense. Uh, but now you're just labor, labor. For me, it's always about labor this year because the growth rate of inflation peaked last year. Everyone kind of knows there's nobody there's nobody out there uh, forecasting reacceleration rates. So the market kind of knows this. This is why the 10-year yield channel, the forecast this year, was predominantly about labor. So I got tested. I would have been wrong if the 10-year yield would have broken under 3.21% and the labor market was still tight. But every single time that Gandalf line held, you shall not pass. And they got tested eight times. Uh, uh, and that's why I believe that range sticks until the labor market breaks. Uh, because the growth rate of inflation, the bond market kind of already knew that was that. If the bond market believed in the 1970s, the 10-year yield would be north of five and a quarter. Mortgage rates would be eight to 10%. And we would be having an entire different discussion. But the bond market didn't. From Wait. all from, from, from all the everything we've seen in 2022, the bond market didn't bite. We are going to talk about the wild bond market in just a second. But I wanted to dig in a little bit on the inflation data because you wrote an article for us when that uh, report came out looking at it. And, you know, what was the biggest driver was the energy, right? Energy was cooling. Um, yeah, energy, energy was cooling down. And again, when the Russian invasion happened, uh, commodity prices like energy and wheat prices took off. So when you think about how bearish everyone was last year, imagine if wheat prices and oil prices went higher and higher. Okay, those are those are two impactful commodity prices. And what's occurred is wheat prices and energy. Look at the wheat and energy charts. This is why I post up wheat and energy charts all the time. They uh they they look very similar. They're both coming down. Uh, uh, noticeably. So we're kind of uh, back to uh, pre-Russian uh, invasion levels. So in that context, headline inflation is really collapsing. Like if you just took headline CPI for the last like eight months, we're like, oh God, it really is uh, going down faster and faster. And, and or, you know, the, the, the rate of growth falling is actually pretty fast. But that was a very elevated level. And if you look at the history of uh, uh, economics, you could see energy prices spike up and then they start to come down like all commodity uh, indexes to a point. And that isn't what the Fed cares about. So we're going to, unless energy takes another dive lower, we're going to start to lose the benefit of headline inflation having these big year over year uh, uh, declines. But core on the other side, that's something different. Core inflation is going to slow down over time the next 12 months. I always say Always have a 12-month outlook. Used car prices were firm, uh, even though shelter is starting to cool down, still firm. These things are going to cool down, and these are big drivers of core. So you're starting to get core inflation starting to come down toward 2%. And this is where I think the Fed is like, okay, in about six, seven months, it's really going to kick in. And I think us pausing or calling it quits you know, or, or getting toward the end makes sense. 
because everyone could see this. Listen, these people's jobs are to look at data. If I can see it, they can see it. They could try, start to make sense about why they're slowing things down and uh, um, looking at other data like uh, uh, jobs data because their dual mandate is still employment and inflation. And if the growth rate of inflation is falling, it makes it harder for harder for them to say, oh, we're going to keep on hiking. We're going to keep because the whole premise is never to hike till you get jobless claims data. They're playing it really close right now. And I think that's if, if Jay Powell was trying to uh, talk about something in that regard, it's listen, we've done a lot of aggressive hikings. We're going to slow things down. We're going to keep an eye on the data. We're almost to the end. It's really, to me, the, the I think everyone needs to start focusing about what what happens next, right, with the economy. What when if there is a job loss recession, what does the Fed do? Uh, uh, we're almost we're almost done here, right? If, if, if we're done, if we're not done, we got maybe maybe one or two rate hikes. That's a questionable at this point. Uh, but that this whole process, this whole saga is 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 at the end. It's now time to focus to the next stage of this economic expansion to the next stage of a recession. So in your article, you said, you know, it's, it's pretty much a given that he's going to, or, or a given to you that he, that they would pause rates, but you're like, don't be focused on that. Focus on the comments, focus on what he says. So your takeaway from that, if you took your own advice and be like, I'm focused on what Powell said, what's the takeaway there? I think they want to just leave the optionality of hiking only two more times. Uh, that's if, for some reason, the economic data reverses, which it's really hard to do. Uh, but uh, jobless claims, it's really just jobless claims at this point. Uh, the job openings data, unless it really collapses in a big fashion, can't move things too much uh, over a month or six weeks. But jobless claims is a weekly data that if you're any kind of student of economic history, that's what you try to track. And hopefully... This is why people. I, I I hope people can understand why back in the COVID nineteen recovery, I emphasized ten million jolts. Why jobless claims was a big thing for me. Why the Fed isn't going to pivot now that we're here in June. Connect the dots with my work up until this point, and yeah, they lied about the core PCE thing. Clever on their part, right, to get to people to think that was a thing. But uh, uh, I kind of caught on to that act uh, toward the end. That's why I said somebody spiked the Fed's eggnog. <laughs> You know, and now, you know, they're, they've got a, the dots are to 5.6 and that's, that's different than what the talk was last year. So I think if there's some change and then of course they hiked and they said, there's nothing wrong with the financial market. Oh my God, 48 hours later, we have a banking crisis. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a fluid Shakespearean, uh, play that we're seeing right here. Okay. Well, speaking of not fluid, you predicted in um, the housing market tracker article that you write on Sunday that this was going to be a wild week for bonds. And sure enough, tell us what has happened there so that we can understand not only that, but then mortgage rates. So I think the confusion has always been that with the growth rate of inflation falling, the 10-year yield should go much lower. Okay. So I'm going I'm to give this case point. From the year 2000 to 2019, the growth rate of inflation core was like 2%, under 2%, maybe a tad of, uh, over 2%. We're not there yet. So the 10-year yield is actually much lower than what we would see where inflation's at. This week, inflation data was good. I mean, there wasn't anything uh, uh, abnormal about it. But the bond yields didn't really respond to, to that report. It's just that we have some auctions, 
right? This is why the housing wire tracker the last two weeks I've talked about, we got some uh, unique auctions coming up. And when these auctions occur, they can drive rates higher in a very short fashion. So all of a sudden, people just nothing was going on up, but the auction went up and bond yields uh, skyrocketed on, on a one day basis. And right now, I think the last thing I saw before I came on this podcast, while uh, Chairman Powell was talking, uh, the 10 year yield was down slightly 3.79. So Hopefully that explains the auction. Uh, and it, and then again, for me, for me this year, it was all about labor because the growth rate inflation is falling, has been falling. Nobody's forecasting it to reaccelerate. So the market knows this and this is this channel has stuck still and it's been tested. It's not like we didn't try, um, but I, I go back to last year. Last year, the 10-year yield was below 3%. We had the hottest year-over-year inflation data. We had 9.1% inflation uh, CPI, and the 10-year yield is like 280 or something back then. Now it's at 4%. We're at you know 380. So uh, remember, the bond market, you, you've got to be able to you, – if you track this stuff religiously like I do, hopefully it makes sense to why this channel was very critical to me. But if I would have been wrong this year, it would have been because the 10-year yield broke under 3.21%. Uh, while the labor market was still solid, we see the labor market getting softer and softer and softer, but it hasn't broken yet. That's why I like to put those numbers with forecasts to give people dates, numbers, things to work off with. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it's if, if you want to know why the 10-year yield and mortgage rates are here, uh, labor market and the bond market channel has stayed, as crazy as it sounds, it, stayed, it has so far stayed 100% perfect in that uh, uh, time frame for 2023. Okay. Well, mortgage rates, mortgage rates. This is what we want to talk about because it's a positive sign that we, at least the Fed paused hiking their Fed funds rate. What does that mean for mortgage rates? What do you think we're going to see? Well, it, it's still, the Fed funds rate is somewhat irrelevant at this point until they uh, want to pivot. The spreads have gotten worse since the banking crisis has started. If the Fed wanted to solve all this, they could. They don't want to because they are afraid of housing, right? Baby boomers, 1970s, rent inflation was 20%. Existing home sales were booming back then. Now, not the case. Rent inflation is not like that anymore, and home sales have already crashed. So why? the the You have to realize the, the absolute nightmare of being a baby boomer and working for the Federal Reserve is that you remember the 70s and the righteousness that you have to have to make sure the millennials do not buy homes because they, how terrible it was for them, right? And now, you know, the baby boomers are the biggest buyers in America, so it's good for them in that sense. Um, here, you know, mortgage rates, I think, it looks perfectly normal to the forecast. I, 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 I know some people are surprised where rates are at, but as long as the labor market's where it is, that channel, right? I believe in ranges and 10-year yields and mortgage rates, and the spreads is the new variable this year after the banking crisis, right? When they say banking is resilient and everything, credit is getting tighter right in front of them, and they don't care, right? Because the whole goal is to attack labor and wages. You need more labor supply. You need lower wage growth. We've had 18 months of the year-over-year BLS jobs report wage growth slowing down. It's not enough for them. More, more, more damage needs to happen before they start to say, uncle, we're done. Okay. And then in that context, the next question is how much rate cuts? Uh, well, you know, Is the Fed going to get into the mortgage market? All these things, that's for another time. But as of now, now that we're in June, everything kind of looks right. I think one thing we do have to uh, worry about, just like we did last year, 
uh, any kind of market distortion, uh, any kind of bad spell. Like last year, the dollar was getting stronger and it took rates up to four and a quarter. If that that wasn't the case, I'm not even sure if the 10-year yield would have gotten to four and a quarter, but it did. So uh, the auction is another thing with the 10-year yield spiking. So let's be a little bit mindful of any kind of market events that come out of the, the woodworks. And obviously, the banking crisis has affected mortgage rates in a very negative way this year. And uh, this is why we got to track it daily, religiously, daily, weekly, everything. Right? That's you can't you can't invest yourself in into someone who doesn't track economics daily. Uh, and hopefully, now that it's June, uh, we all understand why it's so important from November 9th last year to to track weekly data to try to explain things that oh the market is changing nobody cares and why why tracking daily and weekly matters because if something turns on a dime it can move at least the housing market in in a very positive or negative way so you know you talked about how mortgage rates have stayed within your channel so first of all love for you to uh, revisit what that channel is but also it's a pretty big difference when mortgage rates are in the in the bottom of that channel in the fives than when they're in the top of that channel in the sevens so can you be more specific about where you think we're going to be this summer seven and a quarter was the high level 5.75 was the low level. This was pre-banking this crisis. this is from your forecast. Yes, this is the 2023 forecast. And if people who follow my work know that the 10-year, all my work revolves around the 10-year yield. So what happens going into a year really matters because you have to take in all the variables possible. Here, mortgage rates are higher than they should be because the spreads have gotten worse. Right, the ten-year yields at three point eight zero, and we're like six point nine five percent. So, if the ten-year yield actually got to four and a quarter, it would be higher than than the forecast this year because of the spreads. Now, uh, mortgage rates look look normal to me, and I'm adjusting to the to the worst spreads. But here's the thing: today, purchase application data, eight percent week to week growth. Okay, how did that happen? We're near record lows. Uh, 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 in this purchase application data and existing home sales. So we had four weeks of negative week-to-week data as rates got towards 7%. Whenever you are dealing with weekly data, okay, so if it has a holiday, the two weeks can be a little bit funky. So we had a big, like having 8% week-to-week growth is noticeable. Um, Just take it with a little bit of grain of salt, probably a little bit lower than that on trend. Last week's minus two percent might have been, you know, probably positive two percent. So just look at it in that light. Mortgage rates heading towards seven uh, is not good for housing, but it's not creating the waterfall collapse because we've we've already got to a level where I think like the marginal home buyers are out, and whatever is left is top of the food chain, and that top of the food chain keeps existing home sales monthly at four million. So we're a little bit above that right now. So, uh, so you're dealing with a different profile. I think. I think the housing crash people. By the way, I love you all. It's year eleven, right? The major home price crash hasn't happened. God bless you. You have given me the best entertainment for eleven years for free, and uh, I, I just can't thank you guys enough. Um, because they're not trained data analysts, they have no experience in tracking economic data. They never came up with a premise that. Well, if home sales don't crash, does the housing market pricing stay the same? And what's this is why I've, I I always emphasize November 9th, I was like, man, we're going to head toward four million. Knowing that under four million would be a tough thing to crack. Now that seven percent rates, we have a positive purchase application week to week data, 
right? So it's it's different currently. And just remember, if rates go lower, what has happened? Demand gets better, doesn't get worse. Uh, the people that keep on saying, well, rates got lower during 2005 to 2008. That was a credit boom, credit bust. Sales were elevated because of credit availability index. Credit availability index is low, has been low for over 10 years. Uh, so you need higher rates with longer duration to keep it. But to get that same kind of crash, that means the marginal home buyer is equated to the strong home buyer profile. And that's why that 4 million level, I've always talked about that. I talked about that in 2020, right? In the uh, summer of 2020, talking about existing home sales are going to be positive just because it's just we're, we're dealing with a different type of home buyer at this stage. Uh, uh, and they're not as rate sensitive as, let's say, the marginal home buyer. Uh, was especially working from six and a half million. But to answer the original question, mortgage rates, they still, they look exactly where they should be. And now assuming that the spreads are worse because they are, uh, uh, we're kind of near 7%. Uh, we should, I mean, we really should be uh, uh, in the mid fives right now if the if the spreads were normal, but they are not normal. So we have to adjust to that reality until that data line changes there's still a big, better case to make for mortgage rates going lower than another spike higher. A higher case would, you know, some, something something has to come out of the woodworks at this stage to, to break that higher, to make the spreads even worse. And, and we kind of see that the Federal Reserve is a little bit mindful of everything right now. They they kind of ask the questions, well, housing's rebounding, you know? Uh, what do you think? And remember, home prices are not what the Federal Reserve targets. It's rents. And housing hasn't rebounded in a sense. It just stopped going down and we had a little bit of a bounce. So there, there's a difference there. Uh, I know Waller talks about, oh my God, home people are buying homes again. I mean, the thought, Sarah, I'm not kidding you. The thought of people, the thought of people having sex and having kids and buying homes scares these boomers. Okay. If you just think about it in that light, this is petrifying to them because they feel like the righteous knights. We did this in the 1970s. We haven't had sex since the late 1970s, but we did it. We had kids and we bought homes and inflation was rampant. We don't want the millennials to do this. So now the baby boomers are the biggest home buyers in America because they finance their houses less than the younger people. So, uh, so if you hear stuff like this, I know it sounds crazy. Because there's not like a like a V-shaped recovery rebound. Like COVID, COVID was a V-shaped recovery rebound. Six weeks, game's on. We had no problems talking about that. Different marketplace, different dynamics now. Uh, and again, rates are much higher than they were during the COVID-19 recovery. You know, the reason that we talk about this all the time, if people listen to you a lot, then, then they might be totally on board. And they're like, oh, you know, we know all this. But you were just at an event where um, oftentimes I've been with you at an event and someone will tell you, Thank God I listened to you and I bought a house or thank God I did this in my business. Um, when, you know, it was, it was 2019, it was 2020, whatever it was. You just talked to somebody at this last event who was like, I should have listened to you and I did. And I, well, I you missed know, you out know, on this incredible I, investment. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to forgive everybody on COVID-19 because it was our first global pandemic and I clearly can see nobody tracks data. In America, so you nobody would understand that homeowner profiles are good and all these things that we came from the weakest housing recovery. Um, but you know, when, when I speak at events, what what I try to do is 
try to portray three big things. Number one, the inventory data. The inventory channel data is different after 2010. I'm talking like a historical economic event here. And to this day, I don't think people understand how important it is to understand how credit channels move inventory chests. Now, nobody believed me, of course. Forbearance was going to be the first test that's failed. Then the next one was, you know, or the first one was COVID itself, then forbearance. And then with the biggest crash in home sales ever recorded history, ever said inventory is going to skyrocket. And that is fundamentally not a sophisticated take if you understand sellers or buyers and there's a natural equilibrium and we don't have the forced selling thesis. So that goes into the, uh, um, uh, what I'd like to show at these events as well is that the credit profiles, this is why I say any person who says 2008 has never read a book in their life because there's nothing in the data that actually resembles the four years up to 2008. And again, we understand that there's a disinformation campaign by one group of people in this country that resemble the Russian trolls that I used to have to deal with as well, and they don't care. And See, Sarah, in war, both both groups have to think they're right. And and this the housing crash groups are anti-central bank people. The anti-central bank people hate everything. This is why every single day of their life, until they die, every day is bearish. This is very cult-like behavior. And what do we know with cults going back 300 years? People who are in cults do not believe they're part of a cult. Even though they show this, their behavior tactics every day. I mean, I have the same trolling people for 10 years telling me housing is going to crash. Do you know what kind of commitment you have to be as a middle-aged man to spend 11 years of your <laughs> life telling people home prices are going to crash and you're an idiot if you buy a home? What does it do to your mental state? It's not good because what do we say? Things get worse as you get older. doesn't get prettier. You guys don't got hair like this, okay? It can't get better, right? So the anger grows. It grows. It grows. And and honestly, they thought COVID was their savior because people forget the housing bubble crash started in 2018, right? And then all of a sudden things were getting better and they were like so frantic and they didn't know how to come. And then COVID is like, oh my God, COVID is our savior. America's going to collapse, right? America's going to collapse. Here it is. This, these are the people I have to deal with. So how to teach this to everybody is give them data, give them charts, give them models. And now that we had COVID, forbearance, and now with the biggest, hopefully these events, I show inventory channels are a little bit different because credit channels are a little bit different. And then there's a process of weekly data, daily data, these things we track forward looking so we could help you. And now it's like six months in June or in 2023. And this is a this is a actually a very correct take the housing crash people are doing. They're now moved their national home price crash to three cities. And now they're saying the Fed needs to raise rates higher. Home, homes aren't crashing, it's inflation. And so that's actually a correct take. Uh, that's a, knowing that the things that you thought were going to happen, that Americans were, oh my God, they're all soft. They're going to run to the markets and sell it. All the, none of these things happen. It's only you, dude. You're the only one. You're the only people that are doing this. Right. So now people can visually see this. And when you visually can see this and you have a second grade education there, we've always said it doesn't take much. So that oh my God, the US Bank Conference, I had a large, large screen. I had three large it screens was with shakers. Yes. I'm like, this is home. All right. Here it is. But you have to explain why. It's never the final answer. It's how you got there that matters the most. My job is to show you all how we got here and what to look for in the future, right? Anybody who believes in models cannot be a perma anything, right? Recession, red flag model, the unhealthy housing market to the savagely unhealthy. We 
we show things so we can get people back into an educated co- uh, conversation, not a fanatical one. Well, we appreciate you because those bears, those perma bears, they are very loud on social media and they have an outsized influence that than they should. And we meet people all the time and hear from people all the time who are confused. So Logan, thank you for leading us through this. And uh, especially thanks for being on on Fed Day. Hi, I'm McKenna Clay, Events and Programs Specialist here at HW Media, and I wanted to invite you to our upcoming event this summer. A theme we've heard from housing leaders this year is the importance of relationships to not only survive, but be strategic in 2023. And that's why we decided to invite the top C-suite executives and leaders in mortgage to join us at Gathering of Eagles in Austin, Texas from June 18th until 21st. Now, Gathering of Eagles has historically been exclusive to the nation's most elite brokerage, association and team leaders, and C-suite leaders. But for the first time this year, we're opening up the audience to include execs from mortgage, title, and insurance so that you can connect and build vital partnerships for your business. If you want to learn more, visit the events page on realtrends.com and you can get registered today to come hang out with us in Austin. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.